thank you very much, Roy, for, for being part of my show. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I don't know if you'd like to maybe just kick us off by telling us a little about, about yourself and why you do what you do. Thank you, Megan. I retired from the corporate world in Feb 2017. I was the IT director for Africa, Middle East, and Asia. They were the leading multinational pharmaceutical company. After a brief sabbatical, I decided that at the age of 60, I was too young to be retired. So I looked where I could create a niche in the SME marketplace and found that there was a need for SMEs to learn about and to have business plans for their organizations. So hence, I became a business consultant specializing in business plans and the implementation and integration of these plans into their businesses. You mentioned when we had our initial conversation that you get two kinds of people that start businesses, entrepreneurs and you get business owners. Could you delve a little bit into the difference between the two and how do you know which category you fall into? <laughs> I believe that an entrepreneur is born and not man-made. This individual tends to think on his feet. Nine out of every 10 decisions taken is good. He tends to learn from the 10th one. I found that many of the folks who are business owners have not necessarily come from positions within companies where they have had managerial experience and therefore the business acumen needed in the 21st century to own, manage and succeed as a business owner. And I say this with respect. The folks to whom I refer are really good at working in the business and not for the business. The latter are those that can stand back and take a helicopter view of the companies and see all the moving parts and anticipate issues before they materialize into problems. In my opinion, a business owner should look for tuition on the mechanics of running his business from an administrative perspective, be on top of his game, learn the numbers of his business, what his forecast revenue for the month will be, what his expenses for the month will be, and as importantly, what his expense to revenue ratio for the month is. That gives him a good grounding as to how his business can run, should run, and the decisions that he takes for his business tend to be on the money, so to speak. I don't see myself necessarily as an entrepreneur. I've never really um, dreamed of owning my own business, so to say, but uh, it kind of came about, I was retrenched and um, I couldn't find another job, so I just decided to create my own thing. Uh, when we were chatting before, you said that that's kind of where you fall into the business owner category agree that it's kind of started out of uh, a need rather than you know a passion for business why are those not in the entrepreneur category at a, at a bit of a disadvantage is it because they don't have this kind of drive that that's what they've always wanted to do is to to start a business um, and how can they negate the this for lack of a better term at disadvantage Megan in my opinion an entrepreneur has a dream about a problem that he would like to solve for society in general. And that dream comes from an early age. The thoughts that go through his mind are never about being an employee, being part of an office team that has a manager, is a nine to five job. And none of those things enter his mind. What does enter his mind is, I have a passion for this particular function and I'm going to make a livelihood out of it. It's going to be a way of life. An entrepreneur doesn't view what he does as a job. He views it as a way of life. He thinks it, eats it, sleeps it, and does it. That's my opinion. And I've got a lot of evidence of that, of people that I know who have been successful. And these folks tend to be folks that live in a lot of different places other than South Africa. 
Including South Africa, of course. Yeah, yeah. If you are not a born entrepreneur, how can you elevate yourself to the same level as an entrepreneur? Is that possible? Of course it's possible. Anything in this life is possible, in my opinion. If one changes their attitude from, I know it, to, wow, let me go and find out and start asking questions. Start learning about things that you're not sure of. Even if you think you're sure of it, still go and learn. Go and ask people who are considered to be subject matter experts on what you need. The internet is a brilliant tool for finding such information and getting connected with people like that. Somebody that is not born an entrepreneur, however, has the passion to be a successful business owner. There are many avenues that he can pursue because let's face it, all of us are in business for one purpose and one purpose only. That's to make a profit. You know, all the byproducts of making money, having a love for the industry that you're in, knowing a lot of people in the industry, that's part of the strategy of achieving profit. Now, you you mentioned that in your experience, 90% of business owners cannot answer simple questions about their business. How do you know whether your business is doing well or not? Looking at my business, I look at my bank accounts. I've got money in the account. Um, I'm making a little bit of money each month. I can cover my expenses. Is that enough? Or are there other signs that business owners should be looking out for that will give you an indication of whether it's time to pull out your head out of the sand, so to speak, and do something about it? How, how do you know that you're on the right track? Megan, I believe that people should ask themselves basic questions such as, what do I want this business to be? Do I want this business to be a local business in the suburb in which I live, in the city in which I live? Do I want a national business? Do I want a global business? Once you've identified what your product and or service offering can manifest, that starts the journey of where you want to be. That determines how you're going to judge your success. Your success could be initially to to be sufficiently profitable to cover your expenses and have a small residual left over each month. Your intention could also be to take those profits that you make, invest them for them to grow into a capital base that you can use to grow the business, buy more product, employ more people, start up new locations, find new marketplaces. People are only limited by themselves. And that means if you can get over the the blockades that your mind puts in front of you, the world is your oyster. How do you go about working through those mind blocks or those limiting self-beliefs? Do you kind of run off to a life coach? Are there business books that you can read? Is it just basic planning and, and good strategy when you're going to the business? How would you go about kind of starting to work through those limiting beliefs The decision that you've taken to become a business owner should tell you that you need to take your selling skills, and all of us have a selling skill of one description or another. An example would be, Megan, I take you to McDonald's and ask, Megan, what are you going to have, a Big Mac or chicken burger? What are you going to have? And you'll say, I don't know, what should I have? And I'll tell you what my latest experience was with the burger. And that should entice you to make a decision based on what I've told you about the burger. So I've sold you the concept and the idea. There's a salesman in all of us. We've got to reach deep down into ourselves and determine how much polish our salesman outfit needs. Are we born salespeople or are we not? And if we're not, what do we need to do to get out of that that hole, if I may describe it in that manner? There are many ways of doing it. YouTube is a wonderful tool to open your eyes to the what and the how to sell. What should I do? How should I do it? And then from there, there are a number of people locally here in Joburg, in South Africa, that are considered to be 
global subject matter experts that can show you, teach you. And to find these people, again, a quick internet search will do it. And it's not going to cost you any money other than the time that it's going to take for you to be on the internet researching this subject. You've got to know how to sell what you need or what you have. And even if you are a service provider, you don't have a physical product that you sell, you still need to know how to sell, how to sell yourself. Why should people buy from you and not from me? The way to be a, a successful salesperson is not to tell people what your product or service can do for them, but it's how your product or service will help them. And the, the, the difference between that is, if it's a product, it might help somebody achieve a result, a fixed result that they need. If it's a service, it might be a manner in which somebody benefits from what you provided. If you go in there with the approach that I'm not here to sell you anything, I'm here to help you develop something. It, it comes back to, to the old adage that, uh, you know, you can give a guy a fish and he's got a meal or you can teach him how to fish and you fed him for life. It comes back to those principles. It, it's very rudimentary. In my opinion, there's no rocket science in it. There's a, there's a lot of technique that gets developed from, from this basis. Absolutely. But it's not rocket science, in my opinion. The basics we are all born with because we learn them through our education at home from our parents, through our schooling, and so on. Life teaches us a lot. It's up to us to take those lessons and apply them. And now, speaking of lessons and, and applying things, I think that there are many people in business that don't realize that, firstly, you need some sort of plan or goal in your business. And then secondly, implementing that strategy can be a very slow and painful process. Could you maybe delve into why it's not overnight? A business plan has a number of purposes, five in particular. It's used when applying for, to a financial institution for finance, a loan, an overdraft, or whatever. When attracting an investor, a venture capitalist, angel investor, and so on. When looking to purchase another business and merge it into your current business, when you're looking to sell your business, or when you're looking to close your business down permanently. And what does a plan constitute? Well, it constitutes a lot of important information, such as it describes what your company does, where it does it, how it does it, for whom it does. It shares with the reader the legal status of your company, are you a sole proprietor? Are you a close corporation? Which, just by the way, you, you cannot register a close corporation any longer. But if, if there is one in existence, it's still a legal entity. Are you a PDY limited company? Are you an incorporation? What are you? That gives the, the reader a sense of what your baseline is. I'm a legal entity and therefore I am protected by law to a degree. From that, you start getting into who is my target market? How achievable is it? What is my marketing plan? Do I have a SWOT analysis for my plan? A human capital plan? A financial plan? I prepare a three-year, very detailed financial forecast based on potential revenue, and I'll take it all the way down to the cost of goods and the effort required, and I'll show the business owner what his gross profit is before tax, and then what his net profit could potentially be after tax. I include in that um, operational plans. The plan in, it, in itself is not a two-pager. Anybody that offers an organization a one or two-page business plan, all he's actually done is offered you a summary. And as an investor or a financier, I probably would not lend you money based on that because there's insufficient information. A thorough business plan is normally a document for a small business. Is normally a document that could be anything up to 40, 45 pages if you're going to do this properly. Now, 
what the, the purpose, okay, let's assume you've now prepared a, a business plan. What now? What now is quite simple. You're not going to invest all this money in having a plan prepared and not utilize information. If you do, my question is, why did you have the plan prepared in the first place? You're not going to take that information and be guided and helped on the implementation and more importantly, the integration of that plan and its contents into your business. A business plan, all the information contained therein came from the business owner, not the consultant. All the consultant has done is repackaged that information into usable sections of data that can now be used. And the implementation and integration is something that financiers, banks, etc., like and want to see. And it's not a South Africanism requirement. We do this internationally as well. I have clients in the United States and the United Kingdom and in Canada. All need a business plan with the volume of information that I've just described. How important is it to build flexibility into that business plan? Because I mean, you know, uh, as the, the saying goes, life is what happens when you're making other plans. When you're putting together a business plan or, or a strategy or anything like that, how important is it to build in some sort of flexibility to deal with things that come up that you hadn't anticipated? I mean, no one necessarily anticipated COVID-19. So what is that margin of flexibility that you, you need to consider when putting a plan together? A business plan is a document that I refer to as a living document. It is never final. Once it's prepared, it is done to a stage, a point in time. As your business expands, your plan should be updated. If your business contracts, your plan should be updated. If you close the business down, update the plan. That plan is a living document. It should be reviewed once every 12 months as a bare minimum. A prudent business owner would review it twice a year because things happen. You mentioned COVID. Yeah. When, we, when we kicked off the, the current financial year on the 1st of March, who knew that Three weeks later, we were going to be prisoners in our own home. None of us. So, yeah, we, we need to, to adapt and adopt our lives accordingly and therefore have a change of attitude approach to the way we do things. Once you've got that plan and you've worked in all your uh, moving parts and the flexibility, is there any way that a business can streamline that implementation? Because uh, like I said uh, previously, it's, it's not an overnight thing to actually implement, especially if you've been working in a business that hasn't had a plan before. So is there a way that you can streamline the implementation? Of course. Of course there is. And um, again, it's a decision that needs to be well thought through by the business owner. He needs to identify what the obstacle is, what the level of impact is for him, and what avenues are available to him to pursue utilizing his plan as the baseline to achieve this. Now, if it means a reduction of activity, that could lead to retrenching, retrenching staff if he's got staff that need to be retrenched. It could also mean upscaling, upskilling people that he's got in his business that does not affect their livelihood in the business, but it just means that they'll be doing more for the business. There, there are a number of, of ways to achieve this. There are perhaps businesses out there, well, they're not perhaps, there definitely are businesses out there who are in desperate need of some sort of plan or strategy, but cannot necessarily afford a consultant to assist them. So for people in that category, could you perhaps share the three most important things that they should be looking at or implementing in order to create a stable foundation from which to build? Because if you've been working to this point without a plan, um, it might be kind of overwhelming and you don't know really where to even start to get things back on track. So 
what I suppose would be the starting point to, uh, to implementing some sort of business strategy. Take a blank piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and on the left-hand side, pro, list the column as a pro, and on the other side, list it as a con. And start thinking about what is it that your business does? Who do you service? What problem are you solving? How are you solving it? And the list goes on until you create 10, 12 points. And on the con side, that's the moment of truth. Put your hand on your heart and determine how well you've done these things. Are you solving a problem for your clients? Or are you just pushing product and service that they don't actually need? Where can you add value based on these answers that you are writing down? And this is a moment of truth for yourself. You should actually do this whilst sitting on your own. So that you, you're, not, you're not thinking about, hey, who might see this, this piece, my answers on this piece of paper. This is a moment of truth. Be honest with yourself and you will get to the correct answers. And it, it's always a lot easier if we have answered the questions ourselves, for ourselves, by ourselves. Because once you, you sit back and look at that piece of paper with your answers to the questions that you've created, you think, wow, I need to change this and this and this just to get going. Mm-hmm. Now, normally that starts with, why am I here? What am I doing and for whom? Can I afford to do this? Am I winging it? Or is the bank about to, to pull the rug from under my feet, so to speak? You need to identify the purpose, your purpose. And your question about, or your statement about uh, not being able to afford a consultant or a plan. If you don't ask the questions, you'll never know the answers. Reach out to a consultant. Engage. Not all consultants are nasty people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> and, you know, it's a type of thing that if, if you need help, nine times out of ten, I've seen industry colleagues, and including myself, this year alone, even through the pandemic, I've done four pro bono tasks. So, and it, it's, it's not because I feel pity on them. I see the opportunity that they have. They just needed guidance to get back on their feet and take it from there. And, you know, give as much as you can and you will receive more than you can handle. That's the way I think. When we were chatting before, we, we chatted a little bit about the subject of networking and you made my mind implode a little bit with something that you said. And you must please forgive me for the paraphrasing, but it's, it says, you, you said something along the lines of, if you join a networking group, there eventually comes a time when no more opportunity will necessarily come out of that group because it essentially gets saturated and the return on investment in terms of leads or business decreases, which, um, you know, logically, that really makes a lot of sense. But there's a lot of drive uh, as a business owner to actually partake in networking and you need to because otherwise no one's ever going to know about your business. How, how do you keep your pipeline full? Could you maybe delve a little more into ways that you keep your networking activities fresh and kind of discover new opportunities? No, that's a great question. As you pointed out, I did... Earlier this year, I did decide to, to venture outside of the borders of South Africa in terms of being part of networking forums in other parts of the world. And what this taught me is the base of what I had been doing in South Africa with the local organization that I was with. And I determined that I'd saturated my level of contact here because I wasn't getting any further contacts. I wasn't getting any new blood, as it were. So I ventured outside the country. And I went to a paid service and I went to two free services. These services are forums for business people to meet and greet. 
Mm. Now, because I chose to do this in the Americas, it means that my sacrifice is time, which I'm more than prepared to do. The American scenario, depending on which side of the American continent I'm on, <laughs> at the time, the East Coast is only seven hours behind us, the West Coast is 10 hours behind us right now. And when you start dealing with folks in California and up in Canada, on the West Coast of Canada, as I do, it could be that you you're going to be up late at night. When, a case in point, this past Friday, I started a call at 9.30 and it finished at 12.30 <laughs> on Saturday morning. The benefit that I get out of that is meeting folks that can and want and need to utilize my services. My, my level of contact has grown so much, so quickly, since I started doing this earlier this year. I started off this year with a LinkedIn connection base of probably just on or just marginally over 200 people. I'm currently sitting at well over 500. So it, it, it's a case of meeting people and a lot of the, the, the instances that I've had, people refer me onto somebody that they know. They don't necessarily use my services, but they pass me on to somebody that can and does need my services. And this is what I, a comment that I made to you when we first met about thinking out the box and thinking off the wall. Thinking out the box is I identified a problem that affected me here in South Africa. And I thought, okay, I need to resolve this. And the easiest way to, to resolve it is to take my proverbial piece of paper, draw a light down the middle, <laughs> and what is there out there that I can look for? And it, it's the same adage that I took when I first identified being a consultant and where I was, what niche I was going to carve out for myself and create a market segment that I could satisfy and service fairly comfortably and thereby add value to this to the market that I'd, I'd gone to. And I've done the same thing in other parts of the world. So I feel, I feel quite, quite chuffed that I was vindicated by having taken an approach like I did and satisfying my curiosity of whether I could do it or not. I didn't well, compromise on any of my values. You have um, basically put your, your business advice to other businesses in practice for yourself. So um, you've kind of proved that what you do works. <laughs> Indeed. Um, business planning is, is one of the subject matters that I found that you can you can approach it in a number of ways. You can approach it through a consultant like myself. Most consultants would, would like to, to get involved with your business. Pretty much not on a hands-on aspect, so to speak, but certainly interrogate your mind as a business owner for information. And it's not an ugly interrogation. It's about finding information, asking questions, using the proverbial why question and how question repeatedly and getting the information that's needed. You know, I don't undertake any engagement without the client completing a business plan questionnaire. And that questionnaire is very detailed. And that's the sort of information that I need to prepare the business plan from. It's not limited to everything that's on the questionnaire, but that's the starting point. Now, you said something uh, when you were speaking about your, your networking experience. People that you've networked with don't necessarily use your service, but they'll refer you on to other people. And my own experience with networking, it's been kind of mixed because my number one bugbear at a networking event, whether it's online or face-to-face, -face, is that you meet somebody for the first time and it immediately becomes a hard sell situation and they try and push a product on you. Now, this in my view is completely counterproductive. <laughs> Um, could you maybe delve into what networking actually is meant to achieve? How do we go about networking in a way that is constructive and relationship building? Is there a trick to making a great first impression and getting people to remember you and your business? Because that's obviously what I view networking as. Like, here I am. Remember me if you need something or if someone 
pops up that happens to need what I'm what I'm selling. You made me smile. Thank you. <laughs> Networking is about creating relationships, managing relationships. Networking should not be about Hey, Megan, I've got a box of apples. How many do you want? That's not it. Networking is about, hi, Megan, my name's Roy. How can I help you? What do you do, Megan? And I start asking you questions about yourself and your business and your background and your family and what your aspirations are. Once I've understood that, and generally, I I, if I initiate a, a Zoom call, I generally record all my sessions. And the reason I do that is quite simply to pick up on detail that I may have missed when I'm making my notes and, and so on. And I need to, get to go back and, and have a point of reference. So asking questions about the person you're talking to and ask them how you can help them. What that does is it makes the flow of information from them to you a little bit easier because now they, they're sitting with the idea that, hey, Roy has an interest in what I'm doing. He's not yet to punt a product or a service. He's actually asking me questions that, about, you know, what does my spouse do? What do my kids do? Where do I live? How do I live? Things of that nature. Because that affects how a person conducts themselves in business. And I've had it, <laughs> unfortunately, I've had it once or twice where... I've met people that when I delve into who they are, what they are, and it starts getting a little bit more personal. I didn't realize that these, these folks were going through divorces or whatever it might be. And it, it sort of terminates the, the discussion quite quickly. But not everybody's in that position. And people's level of comfort starts becoming very favorable when you share information. A relationship is about sharing information. And then you start asking, okay, how can I help you? Megan, what can I do to help you? And what should I be listening out for that could lead to me introducing you to somebody? And that to me is not an icebreaker, but my goodness, it goes an awful long way to adding to your credibility and your integrity, level of integrity. Now I'm asking you to give me information about how I'm going to help you. So when I ask you for, for a second meeting and you joke at the end of it by saying the next call will be my turn to tell you about myself. <laughs> and Megan, that, that brings a smile to the person's face. Yeah. And I've not had a no to that request. The second thing is follow up. If you make contact with somebody, follow up on what happened on that call. Don't leave it. If you leave it, someone else will pick up that piece. If you follow up and show interest in, in, in forging that relationship, remember that respect is earned. It's not given. So help yourself to help others. Is there a point where you kind of look at this relationship that you've been trying to build and you think to yourself, this is really not working out. Like I seem, I seem to give and give and give and the person doesn't reciprocate at all. I mean, not everything is about reciprocity, but at the same time, you know, you're investing a lot of yourself in building a relationship. I mean, relationships of any kind are really taxing and they are are time-consuming and hard to maintain. So when do you reach a stage when you are networking that you think to yourself, okay, this, this interaction has gone as far as it's going to go? Is there a cutoff? Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I'm also human. <laughs> okay. So I've also got a level of tolerance that I need to, to manage. If my expectation of somebody is thwarted by their constant level of negativity, Megan, how are you this morning? Oh, I've had a day from hell. I've had a week from hell and, and it's only Monday morning. <laughs> um, you know, that sort of sets the tone, as it were. And you try and delve into, Megan, how can I help you? And you come back and the negativity just continues and continues. You, you'll do this once, you'll do it twice. Beyond twice, if you do it for a third time, it would be my fault for engaging. Yeah. I would rather tell you at the end of that second occasion, Megan, 
when you are ready, give me a call and let's not waste each other's time. Your time is precious to you as is mine to me. It, it is a hard call, make no mistake. I like being around people. I like talking to people. I like meeting people. But there are some people that you learn very quickly that, uh, hey, they should actually go and be negative somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that negativity kind of drags you down as well. I mean, you don't want that infiltrating you as, as well. So um, five quick questions. Well, the questions are short. You can go into as much detail as you'd like with the, with the answers. So question one, define success. Okay, the dictionary definition is the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. My definition. Understand your client's business as intimately as possible to be profitable by offering your target market either product or service solutions, which can be implemented with ease, cost-effectively, and lead to sustainable engagement. This paves the way to upsell more product and or services in the future, thereby becoming your client's supplier of choice. Interesting answer. (laughs) Is there a specific routine or habit which you believe contributes to you having a productive day? Absolutely. Enjoy whatever it is that you do. Have fun doing it. If your tasks are not forced on you and you enjoy them, you will perform them with energy and enthusiasm. Awesome. (laughs) What do you do when you're not working on your business? I've been married for 34 years. I enjoy spending time with my wife and my daughter. She still lives at home. My son is married. He's down in Cape Town and with my extended family and friends very much a people person did you just admit to enjoying spending time with your (laughs) (laughs) in-laws okay we'll take that offline (laughs) if all the books in the world suddenly spontaneously combusted except for one what would it be and why i think i may have it Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Why would you say that that's the the one that you'd keep? He describes business commitment and technique in manners that I resonate to. And that is, just keep it simple. Don't look for something that does not exist. It's not there. Keep it simple. And if a thought enters your mind, do something about it. And that, that may sound like a very strange thing to say. But if you have a thought about changing a task, a process, or whatever it is in, in, in the business. And you think, hey, that's not a bad idea. Write it down. Make a note of it. Do something about it. Explore it. And then analyze and decide whether you should or shouldn't use it. Awesome. Last question. What one piece of advice do you wish you'd received when you started your business? Don't be afraid. You are the only obstacle standing in your way. That's an interesting answer. <laughs> <laughs> How did that come about, if you don't mind me asking? You know, did, did you kind of have teething problems when you started your business that, that you realized that you were holding yourself back? No, I was very fortunate. Having come from the corporate background that I had and the positions that I've enjoyed being in for so many years, being a, a senior manager, part of top management for various institutions, gave me a, a certain caliber of style, if you will, where I always had the company to support whatever I did. You come out on your own. Now you need to package all that experience into a backpack that you can carry so that you don't leave any important aspect of your skill set and capability behind. Now, if you're afraid to use what's in your box of tricks, your personal box of tricks, what success are you looking for? Success means achieving your aspiration, your objective, and being good at what you do having fun at what you do. That, those are my definitions. And that's okay. what I live by. 
this has been awesome. Um, I, I've learned a lot and, uh, you know, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, I, I must be honest, if I was working with the U.S. West Coast market and, um, you know, only getting to bed after midnight, I would not be so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the morning. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I'm glad that, I'm, then I'm glad that we didn't have this on Saturday morning because that would have been a good... <laughs> Where can people get hold of you? My website is www.synergeticinterpretations.com. Synergetic Interpretations, I spell S-Y-N-E-R-G-E-T-I-C-I-N-T-E-R-P-R-E-T-A-T-I-O-N-S.com. If you look at the meaning of Synergetic Interpretations, Synergetic means the art of collaboration. Interpretations is explaining something to another. As a business consultant, that's precisely what I do. My Facebook page is of the same name, and I do update it as regularly as possible. And my email address is Roy, spelled R-U-I, I'm Portuguese, <laughs> at synergeticinterpretations.com. Yeah, this has been enlightening and it's given me some food for thought um and like i said before thank you very much for taking the time it's it's been a pleasure speaking to you and i hope that anyone listening uh gets value out of um the advice that you've given so thank you very much megan thank you for the opportunity and your time this morning thanks roy Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.